0: Good morning. How's everybody? Does anybody enjoy the crisp fall weather? Yes? Yeah. I think I do as well. I don't sweat as much, so it's a good good thing. Um, today, I want you, if you have your Bibles, go over to Nehemiah with me. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. And, um, if you'll head there, we're going to look at the first four chapters, and so I'm going to start reading those right now. Thanks, Dad, for the laugh. I appreciate it. Um, so there's, there's this story in, in Nehemiah in the Old Testament, and then there's this guy, Nehemiah, who worked for um, – he was a cupbearer. And what that meant was his job was to go and present wine, uh, taste the wine, and made sure the king's cup was filled whenever it started to get empty. And so one of the things that would happen was is he made sure – That it wasn't poisoned. He made sure that it tasted good. All those things that are very important if you're a wine drinker that you have to, as a king, you need to make sure it's taken care of, right? And so this was his job. Um, And so we need to understand that because of this, if if you worked for the king or if you were a servant of the king, it was very important that your facial expressions, that your demeanor, that everything about you was pleasant. In other words, so if you had a sour look on your face or if you were sad about something or if you uh, were upset about something and you came into the presence of the king and he didn't like the look on your face, he could have you killed, taken out. And so it was very important that those that served the king uh, had a certain demeanor about them. And so where we're at in history is this is, About three or four hundred years before this particular point took place, um, more towards the four hundred years, there was an invasion of Israel. And what had happened is they went into Jerusalem and they what would take place is these kingdoms as they spread through would go in and they would take uh, people of that particular country and they would take them back to where the king lived and they would make them his servants. And so a lot of times they would go in and they'd wipe out people and they would take them back to wherever they were going back to and, or they would spread them out. And so they didn't want people groups to, to come together to be able to fight back so it was better to take them back where they had control over them. But the, one of the things that they would do is they would leave a remnant. They would leave a remnant there in that country and then they would bring in other people from around that country and they would help kind of populate And so right now, as in this particular story, we have Nehemiah, who has been exiled, probably born there, and he grew up there, and he's serving the king. And so what had happened was, as a cupbearer, you had somewhat of an influence on the king. So you figure, any time my cup is empty and the guy that's filling it, he has an earshot to the king. And so there becomes a relationship with that particular person. And so that's why it was even more important that that person have the right demeanor about him. And so Nehemiah, he had this particular job, and as he's walking around the palace, he sat there and he walked around the palace and he heard a conversation go on. Now, Nehemiah's heart was for his home country, which was Jerusalem, and he wanted to go back there, and he loved that, and so there was a connection there. And so what took place about uh, 40-something years before that, Ezra, or 30-something years before that, Ezra led a a movement back to Jerusalem where they they were going to restore the temple and they were going to restore the wall. But there was something that took place in this time where that came to an end. And so Nehemiah is hearing about this, and he's hearing these people talk about this particular situation, and something happens within Nehemiah. A stirring takes place, a discomfort, a broken heart for his homeland. For the people back there. Because here's what the wall represented. And I'll show you a picture of what we're talking about. So this is, the, this is what we're talking about today. You see the temple there. But these, this wall that went around the temple. That went around this particular area. Served a purpose. There was a purpose behind it. The purpose behind it was to provide protection. To provide a sense of, of security for, for these people, for, for the Israelites as they went to worship. And so what took place is, as a kingdom would come in and take over, they would take out these walls, they would destroy it, they would turn it into rubble, and they turned the temple into rubble. And that's why the one that led the second movement, uh, he was a part of rebuilding this, uh, but he came to an end. And so Nehemiah's heart started to break. He started to break for his people because there was a void there. They were Vulnerable, they were left open to another attack. And so, in this particular piece, he's hearing this story, and his heart breaks for his for his home country. And if you notice that any time you go through something where your heart breaks, what usually happens to your face? You look. Thank you, John. It helps if y'all participate. So if your heart's broken, do you walk around with a smile on your face? Not unless there's something twisted about you. So he's serving the king. His heart's broken. So what does he do? He goes and he starts praying. He goes to God and he starts pouring out his heart. He goes to God and he starts asking for forgiveness of the sins that he and his family have committed. And so he starts pouring out his heart to God. And, and so what takes place is God continues to stir in his heart for something. And so eventually God calls him to say, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to build this wall. I want you to be a, 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 the main leader that goes back and provides for this protection around my temple. And so this goes place, and he's serving the king, and he goes in. He's doing his job. And as he's doing that, the king notices that his face looks sad. Now, for someone to notice, and let's be honest, if you're a king, you probably don't care too much about the people around you. Because be if you're a king, you are self-absorbed. Right? It's all about you, the pride, all this stuff. But he notices that the guy that's serving him wine is sad. So he asks this question, what's going on? What's, why, why are you sad? And Nehemiah responds with, how can I not be sad when this is going on in my home country? And, he, and he, so he brings it before the king. And so something happens. God moves in the king's heart. And I want you to know that Nehemiah covered all this in prayer as he's going through this process of how to respond. And so Nehemiah simply says, hey, can I go back to my home country and, help, and, and figure out what's going on and help rebuild this wall? And the king goes, well, how long are you going to be gone? And so they set a time of how long he was going to be absent. And so the king blessed him leaving. Then something interesting happened. Nehemiah says, will you write some letters for me? Will you write some letters that says I have your authority to go back and do this? And the king said, absolutely. And so he wrote these things. And so he went back. And so Nehemiah went back to his home country and he took people with him that could help. And so he led this movement back to help. And so he got back and he noticed the, de- the, the devastation of what took place. And his heart broke even more. And as his heart broke, he knew he had to do something. So he waited. He didn't say anything to the elders and the leaders of that time. He just started to follow what God's leading was. And God says, I want you to go and I want you to walk around and I want you to see what takes place. And so Nehemiah does just that. And he comes back and he talks to the elders and the leaders And he says, here's what's going on. We need to rebuild this wall. And so as this God moves in these people's hearts and he starts seeing that people start stepping up to be a part of this build, to be a part of this place of rebuilding this wall. And so people take, they start taking action. And so what happens is they go and one person takes this section, another person takes this section, another person. So all of a sudden this building goes on. And what happens every time we're in the middle of doing something God wants us to do? What takes place every time? Starts with a D. You said attack. That's great. Doubt. Discouragement. You ever notice that a lot of times when we're in the middle of something that God wants us to do, that people are going to try to discourage us? People are going to say something, and here's a lot of what they're You can't do that. That's impossible. They'll say, how, how in the world can that happen? And they'll point to all the material things that you need in order to accomplish something to try to discourage you, to say that this is not possible. And so there were three guys that were a part of this attack on Nehemiah. There were three individuals that went right at it, and these three individuals is what we call. There's the start of the Samaritan. We hear about the Samaritans and and how they're a mixed breed, basically. In other words, they are half they're half Israelites and then they're half from another not not Israelites. That's the easiest way to say it. And so what happened during the exile is those that were left back would get married to to those that came into the country, and they became the Samaritans. So when we read about the disgust of how the Israelites did not like the Samaritans, we're going back to these three guys that, that talks about in this and how they came into existence during this exile. And as this takes place, these three guys wanted everything to stop this particular thing. Why is that? Because they didn't buy into what God wanted. They didn't buy into what God wanted to do. And the more and more I walk with Jesus and the more and more I follow his leading, the more and more I trust him and walk in faith, the more and more I hear people say, how can we do that? We don't have this. Or that's too big. Or that's that's not going to happen. But I love the story of Nehemiah because he didn't listen to any of it. He didn't listen. He, he did not allow what other people said to influence him in one way, shape or, the, or another. He continued to walk out what God had called him to do. And in this particular story, we get to see how as Nehemiah walked out what God had called him to do. And I'll encourage you, go home and read the first four chapters. And so that you get a better idea of me trying to story it, which I believe I did a pretty decent job with. But at the same time, I may have missed a few things. But the gist of the story is this, is that as Nehemiah walked out what God had called him to do, people got behind him and this wall was built. Now, this wall doesn't look that big when you think about the the land and all of that. But to me, that's a pretty stinking big wall. Do you know how long it took him to rebuild this? Notice I said rebuild, which means there was rubble around that had to be cleared out in order for a firm foundation to go in. So there was a lot of extra work that needed to be done in order for this wall to actually be built. When God's people responded to God's call, it took them 52 days to rebuild this wall. Why? Thank you, Kathy. That is true. But people started walking out what God had called them to. See, there's a stirring that took place. There's a stirring that happened within God's people. And rather than fight it and rather than say, you know what, I don't buy into this, or rather than try to excuse it away, they simply responded to God's stirring and walked it out. We're in this middle, we're in the middle of this series called Next Step. And we are a church as I've talked with our staff and they've reminded me of things, and I've talked with our elders, and they reminded me of this, this theme that runs throughout our church. We are a church that has always taken the next step. We've always done it. From the very beginning when people doubted what we were supposed to do, very beginning when people said it couldn't happen, from the very beginning when people started kind of running away from what we were doing, and even in those particular pieces, the discouragement happened, didn't it, Cindy? And we kept taking the next step. And so right now we're in this series because I believe God has a next step for us as a church. And I don't, and here's what I know to be true is god got a place for Lightpoint Church to be planted within Miami Township. That's what I know. I also know this, that a part of our next step is this, is that we need to start preparing for what God has for us. And with that, you will be receiving one of these particular pieces as you walk out. And all I'm asking is this. I shared a story last week about how God responded, uh, or P- God's people responded to him and not to the leaders. It was this stirring that God did, and God's people responded to God, not necessarily the leader, and that's my prayer for our church, is that people would not respond to me or what I say or, or what I don't say or whatever it is, but people would actually respond to God's stirring in their hearts. And so one of the things I believe our next step is is preparing for a future home. I don't want to be a pastor that goes into debt. We had a meeting yesterday as elders, and one of our elders looked at me and said, Chad, I love the fact that as a, as a church we can do what we just did the past two weeks and not worry about finances. The amount of what we were able to pour out into our community in the past two weeks was far, was amazing for the size church we are. And to, to, to make a step that puts us in a place where we can't do that, makes no sense whatsoever. But here's what I believe, that if, a, if, if we respond to God's stirring in our heart, then what we see is that people that are responding to God's stirring, that something amazing happens that we don't think is possible just by a few of us. And so here's, here's, you'll receive this at the end of the service today. And all I'm asking is that you pray for the next two weeks. Pray, God, what would you have us to do as a family or as an individual? What would you have me to do to respond above and beyond my tithe to this future home? Because here's what I believe our future home is going to look like. In this story, there was vulnerable people. They were left vulnerable. They were left wounded. They were left without protection. They didn't have that thing that brought security. We live in a community where people are vulnerable. We have people who are spiritually in spiritual poverty. They, they don't know who Jesus is. They've never met the true Jesus that changes lives. And I told our staff in our church this. If we could be a church that starts meeting the spiritual poverty of our community, that's what we need to start doing. Not start, excuse me. That's what we need to continue to do. Continue to be a light. The second thing is we have within our community those that are in material poverty. They don't have what it takes to provide for their kids. They don't have what it takes to to put a meal on the table. And so we'll be a church that pours into those that are in poverty, whether it's material or whether it's spiritual. We will meet people right where they're at and provide a place of light light in our community to meet these needs. So that when people walk through the door, you know what they'll feel? They'll feel safe. They'll have a sense of belonging. Belonging. They'll feel protected because they have a church that wraps around them during the tough times and walks with them during the great times. That's, my, that's how I see this. That's what my prayer is in all of this. So whatever that next step is, I pray that you would join me in preparing for it in all of this. So what does it look like for us to pursue what God has for us? And Nehemiah See, Nehemiah was stirred by something he was stirred by something God was doing and he wanted to and in all of this he wanted to make sure that he responded he knew that it was so much more than just going back and building a wall or for any of this he knew that it had a, a bigger purpose and see whether our next step whether the next step as a church and as we look at this our next step will be This future home fund and providing and making sure that we don't go into debt. That's a part of it. But maybe in your own life, you have a personal next step you need to take. Maybe this next step that you need to take as an individual is a conversation you need to have with your spouse. Maybe there's something in between you guys, something, a discord or, or something that's not right between the two of you. And so the next step you need to take in your, in your life that God's calling to you is with a spouse or a family member. Or maybe it's with a child or maybe it's with a parent. Or maybe your next step has something to do with a move you need to make career wise. And you don't know what it looks like. You just know that you need to take a next step. And today as we look at this, as we talk through this, not only look at this as a church-wide, our next step, and how we pursue that next step, but maybe in your own personal life, there's a next step that you need to take. I'm wrestling with my next step counseling-wise. I'm running out of time during my week. And so one of the things I do is I lead a DBT group which deals with high suicide, high self-harm clients. And I'm on this team, but it's very time consuming. And I have to look at my time and say that you know what, my time is valuable because I don't get much more of it. And so one of the next steps that I'm praying over that personally as I'm looking at it, is what does this next step counseling wise look like for me? Because not only is it time wise, but it is a source of income for me and my family. It helps put food on the table. You know what I'm saying? And so in this, it's not like I'm cutting out counseling all. There's this portion that I'm praying over, trying to figure out what that next step looks like for me. Maybe you're in the same boat. What does it look like for you? Well, let's talk about, let's dive into the story of Nehemiah and see how Nehemiah pursued that next step that God was stirring in his life. So I'm going to start here. In order to pursue the next step, that God has for us, we need to do this. We need to first, we need to respond to God's stirring. God, or over the past for a while now, my my prayers around our churches is, is that God would start to stir. So so just so you know, your pastor's praying that God would stir in your heart. And it has nothing, I'll be honest, it has nothing to do with this. It has to do with your own personal walk with Jesus. It has to do with what's He stirring in your life for what He wants for you. How He wants to change your life. And as He stirs in it, as He calls you to something, and, here's, and as He calls you some of my prayers that you would respond to it. That you would respond in a way with courage and boldness to that that stirring, and so we got to do this. The first thing we need to do is respond to God's stirring. Nehemiah one three to four reads this, and they said to me, "These are these are the the people that were surrounded." Nehemiah had heard a story or heard them saying, uh, talking about Israel, Jerusalem, and they said to me, "The remnant there in the province." Ha- who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Remember how I told you there was a group that was left behind? This group that was left behind from the exile, they were they were in trouble. They were dealing with a lot. They couldn't figure out what, the, what they needed to do. And so Nehemiah is hearing this story or hearing this report. The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Do you realize we live in a community where spiritually we have people that are in great trouble? Do you realize that we live in a community now that where people are trapped in their own shame? And it is our job to show them who helps them in their time of trouble. It is our job, it is our calling to go in and help people come out of shame. He goes on and says this, The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. See what happens when God stirs? He breaks us. What was the song we sang? Gracefully broken. Broken. He breaks us for what breaks his heart. He breaks us to the point where we we don't know what to do other than just weep. See, we live in a community where people don't know Jesus. They may have an idea who he is, but they don't know the real life-changing Jesus that we know. He goes on and he says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, during this, part, during this part, God, he had to respond to what he was doing. So rather than push off this stirring of God, rather than making it like it's no big deal, I don't need to worry about it, somebody else will take care of it. No, his heart broke. He allowed God to move in his heart so that something could take place. Then he goes on, and and the second thing is, not only do we need to respond to God's stirring, the stirring that God has in our hearts. But the second thing is this, is we need to depend on God. We need to be in prayer, and I asked you guys to join me a few weeks ago in praying over our next step every Tuesday at noon, and I pray that you continue to join me in that. But depend on God. A constant dependence on God. Nehemiah 1, 10 to 11, reads and this is what happens. Nehemiah goes to God and he starts praying and he says this, They are your servants and your people, God. The community we live in are people that God created. They're the people that Jesus gave his life for, just like us. And how we respond to God's stirring says a lot about where we're at in our walk with him. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Verse 11 says this, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. See, Nehemiah knew that he needed to go to the king and present what, present this question, present this issue to the king. And he was so terrified that if he said the wrong thing or looked the wrong way, he was, there was this fear about it that if he did the wrong thing, the king would end his life. And here's what I know. Anytime God stirs us, fear will set in. We'll become afraid because we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how it happens. We don't know, what the, we don't know all the details in it. But all we know is this. Is that we have a God that we can trust, a God that we can that is faithful, a God that that is always there, even through the thick times. See, that's what we know. Why don't we lean into that more? And I'm saying this more to myself than to you, because there are so many times when I get to that fear point of what happens when this particular situation, and here's what I'm learning. That God continues to remind me of who he is, not of the problem, not of the the hurdles, not of the issues. He reminds me of who He is. And my dependence needs to be on Him as I'm pursuing what God has for us. Hebrews 12, 1-10 reads this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, there are so many people that have walked out a life of faith Hebrews that lays it out for us. You know what's even amazing? Is that even we got these these forefathers of our faith who walked out their faith. They didn't walk by sight. They walked by faith. They didn't walk by what they think they could accomplish. They walked by trusting God. There's, There's men and women in our own lives that we can look at to say, you know what? They've got this. Here's what scripture says is, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. You know what I learned that weighs us down? What weighs us down is come up with an excuse for everything and anything that God calls us to do. We can say, you know what? I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources. I don't have enough. And we'll come up with an excuse for everything and anything. Why something else needs to be more important than following Jesus. And it will weigh us. And Scripture says, lay aside every weight. Whatever is holding you down, whatever is keeping you from taking that next step, whatever it is that you're holding on to that's dragging you or making making you not take that next step, that's creating fear, that's creating doubt, whatever that is, lay it down and look to Jesus. And it goes on and says this, and sin. Sometimes there's personal sin sin in our lives. Sometimes, and I'll say this, a lot of times the sin that keeps us from taking that next step is complete pride. Pride will rip us apart. Because we'll say, I got this. Or you don't know what you're talking about, God. If I could just see it, if you, could just, if you could just show me, if you could just give me the details, if you could just give me understanding, and God says, no, all I need to do is give you me, and you need to trust me. So when we choose ourselves over Him, the sin which clings so closely, let us run. Get rid of it. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. If you got your Bibles with you, I want you to circle that word endurance, and I want you to write something for me. Endurance not going to give up. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to stop moving forward. Endurance is that, ple- that piece where, where we just keep moving. And you know what's interesting? I'm seeing this more and more in my own life. I shared with you all last week, I've started running. It's funny to watch. Started running, but you know what's interesting is even in my my running I'll take I'll I'll stop and walk at a fast pace. But I'm moving forward. I'm still going for the goal that I want to reach. Sometimes my movement's not as fast as what it was, but I'm still taking a step forward. When I'm done with that run, said I'm not going to give up, that I'm just going to trust and keep walking out what God's called me to. And whatever that next step is, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it trusting Him all the way because I'm pursuing what God has for me. Here's where the kicker comes in. Verse 2, it says this, looking to Jesus Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The minute we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on our problem is the minute we want to quit. The minute we take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on to that bump in the road or that excuse or whatever it is that's not from Him, the minute we do that is that minute the doubt sets in. And Scripture tells us that in order to finish the race, in order to run with endurance, the key to that is who are we looking to. And if we're not looking to Jesus, we are going to miss it. We are going to want to quit. So in order to pursue what God has for us, we need to depend solely on God. The third thing that we need to do as we pursue what God has for us is we need to be willing to take a bold step. Now some of us would think, well, Chad, why is going before a king and, and talking to him about why we're sad, why is that a bold step? Because you could lose your life. It was, I don't think we grasp the magnitude of it. How big it was. Because he could lose everything. He could lose everything he has. By going and doing what God had called him to do. And it's in that place of where we could lose everything. Is where God wants us. Like where we lay everything on the line. is is That's the place that I believe that God shows us who he truly is. And I know this because this place, this thing where we lay everything on the line, where we could, there's so much to lose, and it becomes totally dependent on Him, is a place I'm learning to love to be. The, the minute we walked away years ago to start Light Point Church, a place where we didn't know how it was going to turn out, a place where we could lose everything, and we laid it all out. Didn't hold anything back. It's all yours, God. What do you want? Knowing that we'd have to dip into savings. Knowing that we'd have to dip into other sources of to provide for our family. Knowing all these different things. Laying it all down. Trusting Him all the way. That's what Nehemiah did. He went in and he said, whatever it takes. And he goes in and he says, you know what? I'm going to take a bold step. It's in the bold steps that God shows up the most. It's in the bold steps that God reveals Himself the most. And so sometimes we don't see God or sometimes we don't experience God. I'll ask you this question. How bold's your step? How much are you laying it out there? Because I promise you this. If this is what you're afraid of losing and you're holding on to it, you'll never be able to step forward. Ever. But if you say this, here you go, God, and release it, your movement can continue to be forward as you pursue what He has. Nehemiah, who went to chapter 2, verse 3, says this Nehemiah 2:3, I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city and the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? In that statement there, Nehemiah made a bold step. He laid it all down because he could have lost it all. And so sometimes we have to be willing to take that bold step and just trust him. 2 Corinthians 5-7. It's the verse that's driving our next step. It's the verse that's driving, um, that we come back to, that's driving this whole next step. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Pieces whenever I get to take a step of faith, and we get to this point, and those closest to me say, Do we have the money for it? They always bring it back to the do we have the money for it? And you know what it is? It's they're throwing something out there that says, Um, If you don't have the resources, why would you take a step of faith? Because in the step of faith is where God gives you the resource. It's in the step of faith that God provides the resource. And I'll spend a whole life wanting to know where the resource is, and I'll stand right here and say, God, give me me the resources. Where's the resource? Where's it at? And the whole time he's saying it's in your next step, but if you don't take the next step, you'll never see it. And so I'll sit here and I'll stand here and I'll be trapped my whole life not seeing God move because I'm afraid to take a bold step. I walk by faith, not by sight. And it's in those pieces that we see God move. The last part in this is we pursue this next step. As we pursue what God has for us, Nehemiah illustrates it this way. In Nehemiah 2, 17-18, he reads this. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? And this is after he went back and he's talking to the elders and he did his tour around the, the gate, around the city to see what was going on and to see what needed to be done. He says, You see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. See, Nehemiah, in his pursuit of what God had, in his pursuit of his next step, Nehemiah was willing to take deliberate action. He didn't waver. He didn't think too much about it. He said, this is what needs to happen. He went and he presented to the people and he said, listen, Here's what how God's hand has been on me so far. Here's how I know God's hand is on us. Here's how I know God's hand is on Lightpoint. Because I see lives change day in and day out. I know people that I've never met before until Lightpoint was planted, and I saw how lives get changed. And that's how I know God's hand is on our church. I could get into the financial stuff of how God showed up financially, but let's let's go to what's most important. Forget the financial. I see lives changed. God stirred in people's hearts and He changed lives. And some of you are in here today and you know your life has been changed by it. And if anything happens, if anything, whatever takes place after this day, I know that God's hand is on this church because of the lives that have been changed. And we can look at that. We can see how God has done that and that alone and know that He is with us. We can see how His hand is there. So Nehemiah says, here's where God's shown up. And so the people bought into it. They said, you're right. His hand has been on this. Let's be a part of this and move forward. Let's do our part. So they go on in, the, in verse chapter 4. And everyone takes their own section. Everyone does their own part. Everyone does what they're called to do or what they're asked to do. Nehemiah 4, six says this. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. People did not give up. They did not Throw in the towel. See, I believe if we're going to pursue this next step that God has for us, the first thing we need to do is start noticing the stirring that God's doing in our hearts. We need to depend on Him, depend on Him solely. We need to take a bold step of faith. And we need to take deliberate action and be committed to what He's called us to do and not. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 reads this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. See, God's got us pursuing something. This next step. In your own life, He's asking you to pursue something, a next step in your life. Pursue it with everything you have. When the doubt comes, put it aside. That's not of God. When the distractions come, walk through them because that's not of God. When the naysayers come and tell you you can't do it, don't worry about it. They don't know what they're talking about. When someone says you can't do it, say, but God said I can and trust him. When you start looking at all the things around you and wondering what's going on and you start looking at all this, here's what you do. You take your eyes off all the junk. And you lock it on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm following you. And you pursue the next step he has for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the story in Nehemiah. Lord, how you stirred in a man's heart to go back to his people, to go to the people that he loved, to the people that he's from. Lord, your people, your children those that are important to You, that that's where it mattered, Lord, that that was His next step, to leave the comfort of the palace and to walk into a place that was destitute, a place that was destroyed, a place that needed work, a place that needed rebuilding, a place that was filled with distractions, a place that was filled with people telling him he couldn't do it, a place that was filled with people that wanted to harm him, to keep him from doing what God wanted, what you wanted him to do, Lord, that in this particular piece, his next step was a step that solely depended on you. And, Father, Lord, as a church, as we take our next step, I pray, Father, that you'd stir in our hearts. Lord, that we would be totally dependent on you for what that is. Lord, that we would not waver from being a light in our community. And Lord, we would pursue exactly what you'd have us to pursue and nothing else. May our ultimate pursuit be of you, Jesus, and the things of you. So God, I pray for our church pray for each individual here that you would stir in our hearts that in our own individual next steps, Lord, that you would have our eyes locked on you trusting you not getting tied down by fear, doubt being filled with your grace knowledge of who you are, a God that is trustworthy in faith. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would be with us knowing exactly what we need to hear, knowing exactly what we need to do, knowing exactly what we how we need to respond. And I pray, Father, that you'd stir in such a way that breaks our hearts for you. That breaks our hearts so that you can mend them, mold them, and, 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 and shape them in exactly that next step you have for us. God, I love you and I praise you and I ask that you speak. And as you speak, Lord, I ask that you would give us the courage to respond in a way that brings you glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our time of response, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing with our worship team. And so that's the first way we can respond. The second way... We we could respond is through our communion and you can come over and take communion and remember how Jesus laid it all down for us and gave his life for us and so as you take communion that's what—that's a part of that is remembering his goodness and love for us. Another way we can respond is through our tithes and offerings and giving back to the church and um, I'm always blown away by what a generous church we have and what how you guys respond in that way and so you have that offering to uh, that time to do that and then if you have a prayer request on your card you can write that prayer request and maybe that's the offering you need to present today is that that need that that praise that 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 piece that you need prayer over and so you can respond in that way and lastly Joyce and Phil will be over here to pray with you guys if there's anything on your heart you need prayed over come over and get prayed over by them Um, so let's stand sing and you respond exactly how God leads